ready for true happiness, for deep fulfillment, for feeling alive, on purpose, and in control of your life again, it's time to be the bold, brilliant, beautiful woman you were born to be. Welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I'm women's happiness and life purpose expert, Karen Rockhunt, and I'm going to teach you how to live on purpose, feel alive, and be happy in every aspect of life. I'm going to get real about my life and interview women who are living on purpose so that you can finally live yours. Welcome to the show. Hello, 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 my purpose girls. I want to take you back a number of years to when I was 16. I've told you before that my first love abused me. I've gone into some detail, not a ton of detail, or maybe you're new to the Purpose Girl podcast. But when I was being hit by my then girlfriend, there was so much shame that it even took me years before I remembered that it even happened. And once I remembered, it came back like a flood, an absolute flood. And then it was all I could think about. And during that time, it just felt like the world is unfair. Why me? I went into a depression, anxiety peaked. And I was so full at that time of why me and all of the ways, well, this is why I'm terrible in relationships. And this is why all of like all any negativity. And I remember having a few moments when I thought that maybe I would never be okay. The truth is that it will always be part of me. And there was an opportunity for me to see this as one of the greatest gifts of my life. That there was actual divinity to be had in thinking about her with heart and forgiveness and compassion for the 16-year-old confused girl that she was. And there was divinity to see within me as a young girl and now a woman who had survived and had taken steps to get out of an abusive relationship and to choose to see the love and the kindness in people every day. And you probably also, if you've listened to the Purpose Girl podcast for a while, you know that I was robbed at gunpoint. And it was a similar reckoning, right? I went through a period where I was jaded. And even the district attorney who worked with me, who was trying to prosecute the guy who did it. I remember having a moment when the DA said to me, ah, there's just a bunch of scumbags out there. And I said, what if he needed diapers? What if he robbed me at gunpoint because he needed diapers? And what I now know, because I've been reading an incredible book, is that what we're talking about here, those moments that I had, and listen, I'm no saint. I've got plenty of other moments too. But those moments that I had were practicing practical divinity, finding the divine in each moment. And the this book, Practically Divine, that I've been reading by Becca Stevens has helped me to see that and to continue to feel into each moment has its own divinity. And that in there, in this way of seeing the whole world with love is our opportunity for healing. And that doesn't mean that we aren't going to be angry and we aren't going to be all of that. 
we get to be all of it. And she and I are going to talk about all of it. But this is probably one of the most profound and powerful things that you can do and practice to live your life on purpose, to create your life a purpose, to go do it. So I am beyond honored, thrilled, excited to bring you my guest today. She is an incredible, incredible woman. Becca Stevens is an author, speaker, priest, social entrepreneur, and the founder and president of Thistle Farms, which is an organization that helps women who have been trafficked, who have been prostituted, who have been abused to get back on their feet and have a beautiful life and to be able to thrive and live their own purpose. She herself is a survivor of childhood sexual abuse, and she now has this global movement for women's freedom. It is groundbreaking. She has been on the Today Show, on CNN, People Magazine, the Kelly Clarkson Show, the Forbes, you name it. She's won a number of awards from CNN Hero to White House Champion of Change, Humanitarian of the Year by the Small Business Council of America. I mean, I could go on and on, but I will tell you just in the few minutes that we had chatting before this interview, the most profound, incredible thing about Becca is her sweetheart. It didn't take her one second to ask what my son's name was when she found out I had one. And that is beautiful. Becca, welcome to the Purpose Girl Podcast. I couldn't be happier. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. It is really my honor. I've been diving into your book and just like, I need more time. Okay. Can we get shade of bed early? I need, I need more time to dive into this because it's so filled with stories, right? Stories from your mother who was widowed at such a young age and my heart to you and your whole family losing your father and who raised her five kids and had a million phrases that you use and your own stories of abuse. And then as well as so many other women's and how you've reckoned that to find the practically divine. It's been an amazing, grateful, grateful journey. I was just thinking about the stories you told in the introduction and hi to everybody on the podcast who also has those stories. So many, 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 many of us have those stories. And one of the things I wanted to say is I have this memory of my mom at the trial of the man who killed my father. Um, he was a truck driver and he, he was drunk and he killed my dad. And my mom was 35 who went up to him at the trial and said, I just want you to know we're going to be okay. Mm. And at that point, the trial ended and the idea of a big lawsuit ended. And years later, she said, you know, are y'all mad at me that I didn't like pursue it well? Like you said, when the DA, when you say to the guy, maybe he needed diapers. And I told her that the biggest inheritance I think she could have given us, and I mean this with my whole heart, was that she took on the burden of forgiveness so we didn't have to bear it. Hmm. Because what you're saying, what you did and what my mom did is saying, I want to take all this on so that I can be free to love and love other people. And it's a burden. You mean, a, when you take that on, it's hard. It is so hard. And I will tell you the story with my first love and her abusing me. And it was a, a girl. So it's like it messed up my mind. It, well, everything messes up our minds in a million ways. It took years. I'm talking about a couple of decades to get to that true point of forgiveness and letting go. And we're not on any timeline but our own. But it is. It's a burden. And so, Becca... You 
yourself have been through abuse. And this is something I find, you know, in one of my, um, in my goddess on purpose class, I do an exercise where women share their stories. And I say, please raise your hand. If you have been abused in any way, sexual, physical, emotional, mental, and every class, just about every woman has raised her hand. And it's like a moment you can hear a pin drop, right? And this is what you really work with every day, but you work on the side of hope. I do. I do. And I just, you know, <clears throat> I just got back from a three-week journey in Botswana, Africa, meeting with women. And I came back in. This was my first day back at work. And I walked in this morning and there was three new women who are all residents who I didn't know. And the first woman said, yes, I'm from Haiti. She was adopted as a little girl because she had been so abused. Hmm. And right when she started telling a little bit about her story, <clears throat> God makes me choke up. It's just so humbling that um, under the radar, this huge phenomena happens around the world. And these little girls that are broken up, broken into, adopted out, whatever happens, put in foster homes. And then it's like, then what? And what we, I believe all of us, because we can all raise our hands, you know, our gift and our responsibility and our compassion and our divinity, everything in us is we have to create a community where she gets the same chance that we did to find our voice and find our space. Yes. Yes. Amen to that. Amen to that. A woman to that. We have to have community where she gets the same opportunity. So tell us your own story to creating Thistle Farms. Well, my own story, and, you know, I mean, I'm part of Practically Divine, the book, writing it was such a gift because it's part memoir about all of this and trying to go back and remember. I think one of the gifts of COVID was we had the time to go back and really remember all of us as things canceled and Life slowed down, and we remembered efficiency isn't the goal. Um, you know, for me, my mom had five kids. She was 35 years old, beautiful, young, hopeful woman, moved with her husband who was starting a church, um, an Episcopal church in Nashville, Tennessee. And she moved down here with him. We were all born in Connecticut, New York. None of us had ever been to the South and we got here, and then he was killed by a drunk driver that first year on my mom's thirty oh fifth on my mom's thirty fifth birthday at like ten thirty in the morning. This <sighs> radical thing happened, and that was bad enough because what happened was that's when we got thrown into that category of poor and this construct that we've made of poverty. It's violent and it's vulnerable. It's all those things that put you and our, you know, anybody in it really at risk. And so this guy comes in who's going to help, you know, help this mission church that's very young and struggling and priest has just died. And he becomes, you know, BFFs with our family. And that's who was my first abuser. And then mm. it started about the age of six. And it actually started in the sanctuary of the church. Mm. And it went on. My last memory is in a horse stall when I was almost nine years old. It kind of progressed and got worse. And um, 
I really think, honestly, I think about when I think back on those years, I think not only is it where I learned all my anxiety and paranoia <laughs> and just dis- and dysfunction with men and authority, but it's also trust, probably. all those things. I have all of that. Yay! Um, but, <laughs> you can be sisters in that. But it's really where it was like I was so brave mm. and I was so resilient and I was so amazingly um, protective of my own mind. I mean, like, how do you go through that and end up a priest that's about community and not have, you know, real, like, that I didn't have a lot of God issues. Right. And I didn't, it, none of that ever happened. And it was like, I think I'm really, like, that's where my heart was forged for love. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's really incredible because no one would have blamed you if you had just become the anti, said, right? You said, forget it. Screw it. Uh-huh. Fuck it. She's, she's mouthing fuck it. So I'll just say it. Fuck it to the church. Right. And if you had taken up pills or drinking or dropped out of life, I mean, it would have been understandable. And instead yes. you chose love. That's not easy, sister. I mean, people might be listening to this and going, oh, how the heck did you do that? I don't know that I did it. I think that I had I had an amazing mom, which is part of her, again, the reason I wrote the book. I had this strong, amazing mom. I mean, granted, she was, um, you know, she had her own stuff. But it was don't we all? this idea. Yeah, but it was this thing that, that, that I had my sisters, I had my mom, and this was a little safe space in my world. Mm. And it just, it, you know, I was the only girl. There was three older sisters. They were all pregnant, married by the time they were 18. I was the only, I was the first wow. one to go to college. Wow. You know, the first one yeah. to get out of it. And it was like, right. I don't, I don't, I didn't really make great I mean, I wasn't like thoughtful decisions. It just worked out okay. And then, you know, I feel like I had so much gratitude for like people who gave me scholarships, people who still believed in me, people who forgave me. I mean, you know, I had all the stuff that happens to teenagers who were sexually active from the age six on. I had all of that. And I still had people who said, you know, there's something in you. We're going to give you a full ride to this college, whatever. Mm. So incredible. So, I mean, I came as a beggar into this work of healing, a beggar. And mm. I have never, I never had burnout in the 30 years I've done it. I've never had, um, you know, this idea that what, I, mean, I just go to bed with new ideas and new thoughts and new ways of doing it because I'm so freaking grateful. Mm. Truly. I, I I hear that and I feel it in you. I really feel it in you. And it, you have truly, it's like it, it, it didn't penetrate your gratitude. Isn't that crazy? You know, it's not to say that you did, you bypassed it because the sense I get from right. the book is you, you didn't bypass any of the pain. I mean, you've, you have felt it and you have worked with it and risen up. And I talk a lot on the podcast and in my work about turning pain into purpose. Mm. That's a great expression. Yeah. You know, and I always think too, what I've had to do in my, you know, 
and probably, you know, I mean, 20 years more down the road, you may get there too. But like my whole life was also, I felt like I had to be so efficient. If mm-hmm. I had purpose, I had to be so efficient. Like I had to do two things at one time. Like while I'm cooking dinner, I need to be listening to a book on tape. Or <laughs> while I'm praying, I need to be walking my five miles in the woods. Or mm-hmm. while while I'm breastfeeding, I need to make sure that I'm emailing at the same time. Like there was always this thing. And I definitely get that from my mom. And what I'm trying to do is really what I'm trying to nurture right now and what I'm trying to figure out is what does it means to waste time for purpose? Like mm. there's some great purpose in, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, in this mm-hmm, idea mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. not being efficient, not even in my pain, nothing, but just saying like, you have to be willing to waste some time if you want to find a line of poetry. Yes. yes. You have to squander, squander stuff if you want to feel that divinity and inspired feeling in your daily life it takes Mm. wasted beautiful divine time and that has been my I have found more purpose in those moments in the weeds and the moments that feel like I'm not being efficient to find new purpose than the doing this is so incredible so so often with purpose right we think it's like doing 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 and and I'm like you the queen of doing what else can I do and I have been the last few weeks, something's been off. I did a lot of doing in, in, I had a baby a year ago during COVID and really stacked up, you know, all my work to be able to have him. And then one of my Instagram pictures, no joke, was the breast pump on me with the baby on my lap with the computer. Like I was that picture that you're talking about. Anyway, I've just been feeling the last few weeks, I have like some anxiety and even some boredom. And then find myself just scrolling through social media, which just makes me more miserable. And yesterday, we're taping this on August 9th, and yesterday on August 8th was 8-8, the Lion's Gate. And I don't know how familiar you are with that concept. It's a spiritual concept that, that uh, because an eight means infinity, that it's a very powerful time to pause and go in and reflect and set intention and purge what no longer you need and roar like the lioness what you do. And... During his naps yesterday, that's what I was doing. At night when he went to sleep, I met a friend at a creek and we, we lit candles and we just went in and I thought, you know, this, like you said, spending that time, it wasn't wasted time at all. It was the being was the best time I ever could have had. And I think we should all be on a mission that being is our main purpose. Yes. Being is right. And I just want to say that hits me so hard because you know, like I said, I just flew back from Africa and I was out in a place called the Okavanga Delta. And at night you can hear the lions roar because mm-hmm. it echoes, it echoes on the river and you can't even see it. And you just know it was there. And mm-hmm. so for you to say the lion's gate in this date, and I was like, I was listening and I couldn't even see it. And it was right there. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. Oh, it's my honor. Wow. You were at the Lions Gate. I was there. <laughs> you were right there. I, mean, I was wasting time being. Being. And in that being, because if it's just action, action, action. And Becca, my sense about you, now that I've been reading your book and watched some TV clips of you, is that you are great at taking action. <laughs> like your mom, right? I remember you saying in the book how she would wake you up by vacuuming at 6 a.m. And um, so the you, as great as you are at action, 
there is a difference in just taking any action and it being inspired action. And we need that place of inspiration and that place of stillness for it to be the right action. Absolutely. I mean, the, um, you know, again, over the years, I've probably started about eight organizations or so. And almost every one of them, when I get to do an interview, it begins with, I was walking in the woods. Mm-hmm. And what happens for me, and I think it's different for everybody, I was sitting in the bath. I was at the creek with a friend, whatever mm-hmm. that beginning is. Mm-hmm. That That's the place where you go, I'm free enough to have a thought that comes out. And I give it the space it needs mm-hmm. to germinate and bloom. And there's not this sense of like, I have to think of it in a committee meeting or in a mm-hmm. church committee. Like that stuff is where the spirit actually goes to die in many yes. ways. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the idea that like you give yourself that space, then the purpose has a way of coming out and, you know, taking up the space it needs. Yes. Yeah. You use the word germinate. That's it. It's like it has room to breathe. Mm. And so it's actually the most efficient thing that you can do is to be quote unquote inefficient. See, we've solved yes. all, we've solved all the world. <laughs> there problems, you go. Right here, right there. Well, no, I mean, like people want you to think outside the box all the time and nobody wants to give you the space to be outside the box. That's right. Do you That's know what so I mean? Well like said. nobody oh, yeah. gives it, nobody gives it to you. Nobody says like, here's what I would like you to do. I'd like you to just not worry about any meetings this week. I can make all the meals. I can take care of whatever, whatever, whatever. You just go be free. Mm. Nobody does that for you. Nobody, nobody. Mm. And so what happens is, for me at least, it's like trying to figure out, and it's different for every single person, especially you know, like listening to this podcast that has an interest in a person, figuring out where that space is where you get to do that. It could be you have to get up at four in the morning and go sit in your bathtub. Mm -hmm. It could be that you have to stay up till whatever, when everybody goes to bed and you light a candle, whatever that is, find it and run to it because thoughts are precious. Thoughts Mm -hmm. are so precious Mm -hmm. and they will not come easily if you don't work for them. And that's really practicing this practical divinity. Yes. I wish I had called it now purposefully divine. I should have <laughs> changed the name. Well, that's maybe book number. I know you've written others, but that's the next one. Either way, it's all the same. Either way. And you had one all of those. Same. All the same. You had one of those moments, right? You talk about how you started. Thistle Farms. And, and first, let's, let's pause so everybody really understands this. Can you describe what Thistle Farms is for people? Absolutely. Thistle Farms is a global movement for women's freedom. It started in 1997 with one house. I just wanted to open a sanctuary where women could have the time and the space and the freedom to do the work they needed to do to be the heroes of their own story, to find their own purpose. It's grown since that time in those 23 years, and we have you know, a national network with more than 600 beds around the country for women survivors that are free, long-term, no authority in the house. We have a global network now with more than 30 partners. And we also have, you know, our the biggest bath and body care company in the U.S. run by women survivors. I'm in awe, sister. I mean, I, 
really, really an incredible work. And what's amazing is then you keep going, right? You now you keep doing these, creating these additional projects like you were just, you know, in Africa and you're, you keep creating these projects for women, like you said, a global movement. Because is that all part of the Soul Farms or that's separate? Absolutely. So what we have now is what I always think of ourselves as Thistle Farms is a great host. We now have the infrastructure. We have the marketing. We have the distribution. So let's say you meet a group of women in the middle of the Kalahari and Botswana who are all survivors of maybe dehumanizing poverty, domestic violence, childhood sexual trauma, addiction, having to go to the streets at 15, whatever their thing is. And we say, okay, here is this craft, this revolutionary craft that's been a part of your community forever. Let us help invest in that for your training, for your coming together here. Um, you know, this is a group of women who also know how to do mental health and um, the economic development here in Botswana. What we're going to do is partner with you, invest, and we will distribute all your products under a model that we call shared trade, which I think is one of the more revolutionary ideas, which is basically everything on fair trades, much, much, much of that leaves women still in poverty. Mm. And by the way, it's really hard to find your purpose and freedom when you can't get enough food for your kids. Right. Yes. Right. I mean, so Maslow's hierarchy of change, right? It's uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. The, if we, if you can't eat, you're not thinking about how am I going to go change the world or what book can I write or, or opening a bakery. I mean, you've got to be able to feed your kids. Exactly. So what we say on share trade is we figure out what the value is at retail of whatever it is that you're doing this creative revolutionary crafts. And we guarantee that 60% of that will go back into the pockets of survivors. So fair trade says, okay, here is what the fair market value is. Then it goes to wholesale. Then it goes to distribution. Then it goes to retail. So you may end up getting 10, 20% of whatever the retail price is, the producers. And we try to mm. cut out that stuff to elevate that and say, we have it all in place and we can do it, not make money. We can be your wholesaler and your distributor and pay for all the shipping. If we, whatever we end up with, we promise we will send you 60% home. And so, yes, I'm out there still doing it. And I was meeting with a woman named Pearl in Africa who has a horrible, horrible story, which, you know, sometimes we don't really know about here in the U.S., which is not only was she raped at 16 by a friend of her father's in a traumatic, horrible way that ended up her in the hospital, but her father blamed her and kicked her out of the house. And that trauma was almost worse than yes. the first physical violence. And she ended up getting her degree in social work. Um, this beautiful Botswana woman um, worked with wow. people in hospice. And then she's like, I have to go reach out to the young women. So she reached out and it was like, yes, we're going to be friends. Yeah. Just like we knew we had the shared purpose. You and I did. We were going right. to be friends. It's right. not like right. I wonder. Right. I knew I was going to be felt friends the connection. with her. Right. Exactly. Yes. I want to be friends and with her. So I'm, much much her. I'm like, oh. I want to hang out with Pearl because a woman who can not only survive that, but choose to thrive. Right. I mean, that is a powerful woman that is purpose this is this is so tough i mean i feel like i 
I don't know. I was on the verge of tears as you were telling that story. So there's so much. It's like someone listening to this, Becca. Whenever we have an idea, I don't want to speak for everyone else out there, but I know I've had an idea before to do something. And then my brain will just go on about, but how are you going to do that? How are you going to raise money? How are you going to get people on board? How are you going to right? And you started, as you said, with one, one home for five people, right? And so if someone's listening to this and they say, okay, but how do I even get started? Were you just independently wealthy and you could build the home? Yes, I was. No. <laughs> no, I'm st- Yes, I am independently wealthy. No, here's the thing I want everybody to chill out about is all of that stuff. That's oh. just details. Yes. That is just details. Yes. You know, a, a good idea is is just beautiful. And, and the other mm. thing is it doesn't have to be a big vision. I've never had like a big vision for stuff. And I think people like, because of Ted talks or whatever, they think like, I have to have this vision. It has to be my vision. And it's like coming together for justice and community. That's an old idea. Mm-hmm. All the stuff we're doing is really old, even though it feels new and we're rediscovering it for ourselves and for these new communities. I mean, like making healing oils and selling them is biblical. Yeah. It's old. Right. <laughs> You know, like making baskets in the middle of the desert in Botswana is old. As old as it well, gets. Yeah, It's old as it gets. What we're doing is saying, now, let's go ahead and connect that to the radical nature of love. Let's go ahead and connect it to the freedom of women. Let's go ahead and name it. Mm. That what we want to do is invest in women so communities heal. Mm-hmm. Let's do this old work, all of us, so those women heal. And what I think is like, you know, it's been declared, raping women kills villages that's why it's an act of war mm-hmm. this violence we do to women is on purpose the other side is just as true so invest in women that will heal whole communities and the science backs it up our gut nature did you hear that i did our, our gut nature our gut nature um, is this is where we should invest so i want to say that every woman out there listening to it about your intrinsic worth and value. You are practically divine. Let's invest in other women so they can remember their divinity and practicality as well. Yes. Thank you. Preach. Thank you. It is true. It's proven that when a woman earns, the whole community eats, the whole community will be educated. It is. Yes. It is different, right? So, I always end my podcast, you'll hear Becca saying, we're changing the world one woman at a time. And it's not just a bunch of lip service. It's genuinely why I want women living their purpose. I want you to follow your own purpose, whatever your equivalent of what Becca is doing. Because when women run this world, we will return to justice and love, period. Someday you're going to have to go on one of these journeys with me and do your podcast with me with this in the midst of these. I think I call them craft heroes. I mean, mm. what they're doing. And I was like, it'd be, it'd be an amazing podcast for me to listen to, for you to interview, you know, women who don't have the same platform, but have, I mean, just, I mean, they have powerful voices. I almost hate the word empower because, you know, everybody has their own power already. I don't need you to give me a little bit of yours, but 
to give them the microphone is a big damn deal. And mm. someday we'll do that together. I was just going to say, back up. first of all, I'm in. And until I can get there, <laughs> if there's a way to get some women a microphone, I'll have them on. Awesome. So wherever your next one is, if you bring a microphone with you or however, even if it's, we're getting on Zoom and there's not even, I don't care what the sound quality is. These are stories that need to be told because we're all sisters. And my other belief, just to be completely honest and share it with your listeners, it'll be the biggest gift you give to Shay. Mm. That for Shay, for Shay to hear the stories of women who come through and are powerful and beautiful, he'll, I believe, grow up with being able to really love women well. Mm. I heard you say that because you have three boys. And I don't know if mm. I read it in your book. I heard you on one of the clips that that's your team sent to me, but about the importance of the work you do with women while raising boys. Can you share a little more? Sure. I just think that it's like, it normalizes the idea of for boys, like you can, it doesn't have to be this romanticized view of what women are like Mm. and unrealistic view. It can be a view of like what the world both has done to support and undo women in their bodies Mm. and they've all done their internships at Thistle Farms and worked right alongside all the women packing boxes, painting floors, doing whatever they need to do. And they hear the stories in the midst. And so they're not going to casually go to a strip bar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They know there's a backstory to every woman up on that stage and they would much more likely be, Hey, I'm so sorry. You've gone through this. What can I be doing to be helpful? Right. Right. They would rather. And that, that's me. important to me. So important. In fact, that's how it got started, right? Weren't you with one of your sons and he saw a billboard of a woman for a strip club? Yeah. Yeah. We were down feeding women downtown and it was called the classic, Cla- classic, sorry, classic cat. And he was four and a half years old. And he said, mama, why is that lady smiling? And I thought, oh my gosh, she's going to break my heart. Mm. And again, like you're saying, I had an idea, but I felt overwhelmed by the idea of really starting a whole organization and helping women. Um, But I thought when he said that, I was like, I don't want this to fade into the background of the landscape of Nashville, Tennessee, where the headquarters of Thistle Farms is located. And I started the organization that day. Right then. Right then. And, you know, and he's ended up being a singer songwriter. He's doing very, very well right now in the world of music. Let's um, plug like him. his dad. Let's Levi. plug him. Levi Hummond. Yes. We'll put a link in the show notes. And he, um, he wrote our theme song, Love Heals. He's been on every tour. If you see him do an interview somewhere, he'll say, My mama and Thistle Farms, shout out to all the women. Oh. I mean, it's a big deal in his life. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, so beautiful. You know, doing the work that I do, I admit I wanted a girl. Right. That was all. I wanted a girl. I wanted a girl. And when Me I found too. out, right. And it's like, we work with women. So how do we have a boy? And so when I found out that I was having a boy and I, I'm 46, so I had a baby at 45. This is my, probably my one baby. We don't know. We'll see, but probably. And when I found out I was having a boy, I was well, in tears. I was so upset. The whole thing. And then I had a realization, oh, I'm having a boy to change how men relate to women, to change that trajectory for a lifetime, for a lifetime. Yes. And I, so I am with you. The most important thing we can do as boy mamas is to show our boys 
a new way of woman. I love it. And to teach them, I mean, in my mind at least, to teach them like um, also their purpose and creativity, just like girls. Of course. Uh, absolutely. Of course. So I have three 100%. artists' sons. They're all artists. I mean, mm. design artist, oil painter, and musician. And I think it was because we valued that idea of finding your creative purpose when they were little. Like the very first time one of my kids wrote on the furniture, he scratched in the coffee table, I love mom. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, you're brilliant. How you're <laughs> never going to be in trouble for that. That's like made it so valuable. Right. It was like, he set the course for everything. It was just like, okay, we'll go for it. It's your house too. Let's see what genius. we got. Genius. I love it. Genius. I, genius. You're genius. And so hey, I need to tell you that my computer keeps beeping because, I mean, my phone, because I think I have less than 10% and I can't oh. charge the phone and have my headphones in. So I don't want us to die. Okay. I'm so, so sorry. Should we wrap up? I think we have to wrap up, but okay. I promise you, I am going to. I love the idea of doing some kind of podcast from Nepal or Oaxaca, Mexico, I'm somewhere in. in the mountains. It'd be I'm so in. fun. If you could, if I can really go with you, I'm so in. I pack up equipment or even if I can't, I mean it too. You go and I'll interview the women. Or you can leave your breasts at home. I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm done with that. <laughs> They're yours again. They're mine. We're done Good with that. Good for you, baby yeah. of 45. I know, right? Awesome. Yeah. No, we're going to go on it. I can totally feel like it. We're going to go on a trip together. <gasps> that makes me sad. You wanna... Do you want to go to Nepal? Yeah, I want to go to Nepal. When are you going? I'm not going for till about a year from now. No, it's perfect because then my baby will be two. It's even better. But yeah, he's like raised. He's done. like, ba- seriously, he could like make his own food at that point. We're so good. You're right. Yeah. Or no. he can crawl or to get whatever they'll, he needs. They'll like come for a week after. No, I, there's something yes. I want to talk to you about because- Oh my gosh. I just have so many ideas and so many things. And I, I, when I was robbed at gun, I I'll have to somebody, tell you some other time. I'm, yes. But you and I are going to talk because I need some ideas and thoughts. I need some, I, I can learn from you so much and vice versa and vice versa. Okay. So Becca, I could talk to you forever and this will not be the only time we are going to go on one of these trips together. I'm going to meet the women. We're going to give them the microphone as they deserve because they're going to teach us more than I could ever teach anyone. So I know we don't have a ton of time. I love doing this thing at the end of my podcast called a purpose power play round. So I ask you random questions. Are you down? Are you down? I'm in. Okay, great. I'm in. Okay, first question. So now we know what you do as an adult, but when you were a little girl, what did you want to be? Oh, definitely a gymnast. Oh. Can you still like do a twirl or a cartwheel or whatever? The a vault. Yes. <gasps> I want to. Can I see that in Nepal? I can. Yes, I can show you a cartwheel. <laughs> I did one the other day. We brought this new, huge manufacturing space, and I said to the CEO at Thistle Farms, Halkata, who's one of my dearest friends, I'm like, I have to do a cartwheel. And, and he was like, Go it. for it. I yes. feel like you're now. You are a gymnast, just in a different way. That's why I love always hearing what. what Look. Oh, it's so good. So good. Thank you. Mm-hmm. What is, wait, let me think of a better question that I was going to ask you. One story from a woman you want to share. I will share the story of Peggy Sue. 
there's been hundreds of women who have come through and graduated and done amazing things. And one woman that didn't make it through was Peggy Sue. And she taught me more about love than anybody. She, like so many women, abused young, ended up on the streets, 85 pounds, addicted, diseased. When I met her, she was shackled to a hospital bed with a feeding tube. Mm. And Peggy Sue just wanted to talk and um, debate and share stories. And I sat by her bed for a few days before she died. And it ended up that she died in state custody and they gave me her ashes. And it was like, what am I supposed to do with this? This is awful. This is a reminder of just how bad everything is. And I'm unworthy. We're all unworthy. It just It was just awful. And I felt very nervous about trying to pull together a memorial for somebody I didn't even know very well. Right. But who also no one claimed. I mean, it's the Jane Doe's of this world. And I started the service. There was probably five of us, and I had a cardboard box of ashes. And we started the first prayer, and we all started weeping. And I couldn't say another word. And in my whole life, I've been ordained 30 years. I've never felt love that sick. I mean, I've buried mothers, fathers, friends, sister. And it was like when there was nothing else, there was this whoosh of love and I thought really and I still think this like if that's the worst the world has to offer really poverty racism addiction abuse unjust systems all of that and still love can be that powerful it's like I'll take it and I will happily do this work for my whole life yes and it's the work of love I that's the thing I got from your book over and over again are these moments of love and choosing love and finding that over and over and over again. So profound. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. All right. Last question. What's one thing you want every woman to know? I want one, I want every woman to know that they live in their body. Hmm. Um, which means like you get to anoint your body with oils that are lavish. You get to tend with gentleness, the scars and the bruises. You get to celebrate the one part of you that's really beautiful. You get to cherish the wrinkles that have come your way well earned, all of it. But you live inside your body. Mm-hmm. No one else's. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And choose to love her. Mm. her. Tender, precious, beautiful body that is yours. One thing I was yes. struck by in your book was talking about how so many of the women that you serve, they didn't choose what happened to them. And that statistically, when women go through all of these different things that you've mentioned, then how they feel that they're at fault for it and abuse their bodies. Mm-hmm. And a Isn't that of, crazy? Crazy and, of course, makes sense. And yes, sisters and Becca, thank you. It is a radical, radical act to love yourself. Mm-hmm. As is, without losing 10 pounds or dyeing your hair or whatever. Like, you know, I'm all for wearing cute glasses or whatever your thing is, but like you get to love yourself right now as is, and that is a radical act. 
Yes, and that is how you love the world, is to begin by loving yourself inside your body. Inside your body. Okay, Becca, everyone's going to want to know, first of all, can they get, you said you have the largest manufacturer, repeat what you said, the largest manufacturer of bath and Mm -hmm. beauty products made by women, right? Mm -hmm. By women survivors. By women survivors, thank you. Where do people find that? Thistlefarms.org. And if anybody wants to, if this has brought up anything, if any stories I've told, anything, on Instagram, Becca Stevens, just DM me. I answer every one of them. Beautiful. Thank you. So we will put a link to that in our show notes. Let's all go support Thistle Farm, support the women. Let's get them into a thriving world as they deserve. And let's all buy Becca's book, Practically Divine. I'm telling you all, I got it two days ago and I'm like dying for more time, which I will just keep reading it because I, I, it's so good. I, I can't, this, your stories are so good. Your writing is so good. You will cry. You, your heart will, will burst open. You may laugh. Like all of it is, you will laugh when she talks about her mom, like all of it and her mom's sayings, all of it is so good. Becca, thank you for being on the Purpose Girl podcast with me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing in the world. You truly are a purpose girl. You are changing the world one, um, many thousands of women at a time, millions. And for all of you listening, thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this episode of the Purpose Girl podcast. If you're moved like I am, then of course, head over to Thistle Farms website and head over to Apple Podcasts and leave your five-star review. That's how I get amazing guests like Becca. The more you leave a review, the more amazing guests that I can bring you. So take 60 seconds, go do that now. I appreciate it so, so, so much. And of course, if you are not yet a member of the Purpose Girls Facebook group, what are you waiting for? Literally, we are in there supporting each other, helping each other, cheerleading each other to go do the damn thing and live our purpose and be our purpose every single day. And of course, you can find me on Instagram at Karen Rockind. And the most important thing is share this podcast with every woman who needs to be uplifted and who wants to go and turn their idea into a reality to change the world. With that, my love, may you live purposefully. May you love yourself and may you love life. Bye for now.